What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders, from ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities. CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Hello, everybody, and a hopefully good day to all of you. And, of course, I would say good morning or evening or afternoon, but I certainly don't know when uh, you all might be listening to this. I am recording it on Sunday night, the night of Colin Morikawa's first ever major championship and a wonderful thing it is. So thank you for coming and joining me on the Opening Tea Podcast, the first of three in the Osmo Golf Podcast weekly series, all roughly about 20 to 25 minutes long, maybe the middle one of 15 minutes. So all in all, under an hour, and I get you all of the important information for the upcoming week for your PGA DFS lineups. And of course, I do want to stress maybe a little bit on the betting side as well. I try and come up with at least a couple of tidbits for you throughout the week to help you in case DraftKings and FanDuel is or and your PGA, other PGA DFS lineups, including SuperDraft, the sponsor of our show, which I'll get to in a minute. Sometimes everybody arrives similarly on the same things and makes it a little bit hard. You know, for example, this week, Colin Morikawa was 28% owned. And even if you had 45% like I did, it certainly didn't guarantee you a winning week. I even had 62 of 150 lineups get 6 of 6 through. And I still was just able to eke out a gain in the end of the week on DraftKings. So my point in what I was getting to was that you also, if you have a good read, but it may be a consistent read or a community read, or we know someone that we like is going to be highly owned, using the betting market to at least try and cash in on that in case we aren't able to put the other six pieces or other five pieces around that golfer, which sometimes can certainly happen in the PGA DFS world, but with sports betting becoming legal in so many more states, it's certainly something to keep an eye on. All right, as we start off in the Opening Tee Podcast, if this is your first time joining, just so you can get an idea of what you're getting into here for this 15 or 20 minutes, I go through a quick review for some facts of last week. Then I go into some fun. I go into the uh, made cut or missed cut or cut sweat segment where I recap some of the happenings on the uh, cut day there on Friday, uh, which always provides some fantastic content. Then I go into a statistical review where I take the strokes gained or new age analysis and compare it with the old age analysis like greens and regulation and fairways hit, which Colin Morikawa happened to be in the top bit of both of those and was not... In the top 10 in either strokes gain category off the tier on the approach for the week. So you tell me which one is better because I think Calamore and Cow ended up winning the golf tournament. In any case, he did come in first in strokes gain putting for the week with. Anytime that Calamore Cow comes strokes gain, uh, first in strokes gain putting for the week, he's going to win the golf tournament. Uh, I will uh, definitely, I, I don't know that I'll go to my grave with that one, but I can tell you that it'll be extremely hard pressed for that not to happen with how good of a ball striker he is. Okay, so I basically have covered my first force. In fact, for the week, it is Colin Morikawa. It is here to stay in just his 29th start in a professional golf tournament. He is a major champion following the likes of Tiger Woods and, yeah, I guess maybe Jordan Spieth. But uh, although Spieth has three majors, I would think the career trajectories at this point for Morikawa versus Spieth are heavily learning, 
leaning towards Colin Morikawa. Still, something like we haven't seen in quite a few years with one of these new guys breaking out, having two quick wins on the PGA Tour and getting his third win before his second miscut and getting his first major before his second miscut on the PGA Tour. Just really, truly incredible stuff from Colin Morikawa. Um, okay, as we move on to our second one, the young studs, it's not just Colin Morikawa that ended up playing well. First of all, all three of the top three, the Morikawa, Wolf, and Hovland, all made the cut, all came in the top 35, and Wolf even had a chance there late on Sunday to get his name into the mix, ended up coming in a tie for third after posting at 10 under. A fantastic Sunday. These kids have just come to play. They weren't the only ones either. Tour rookie Scotty Scheffler, also a third-place finish, along with Cameron Champ, who did fade a little bit on Sunday. Still, his first PGA Championship, maybe his second or third major competition, still his first PGA Championship, he comes, I believe he finished still in the top ten. Incredible stuff from the Young Guns. A couple of other guys that played well, DJ. Almost played well enough to win again. The guy is just becoming a bridesmaid in these majors. Still likely heading to, not likely, definitely heading to the Hall of Fame. And maybe maybe an asterisk in the Hall of Fame results will be DJ's majors where it'll show a bunch of top fives. Just only that one win so far. Paul Casey doesn't even have one of those yet. Another great showing. Tony Finau, poor guy, another top five. I shouldn't say poor guy. He's definitely not poor. He got a healthy paycheck this week. But... Uh, still can't get it done. Bryson, finally a good showing. He breaks a little bit of the barrier down as he finally gets his first top 10 in a major. Maybe breaking that on, maybe breaking that egg off his back, whistling straights. He's ahead of us in just two months. Maybe a place for Bryson to get his first ever major championship. Justin Rose, nice bounce back while Xander Schauffele continues his march of good major form. Still not able to get over the hump. Okay, and the last one I'm going to say is Andy Sullivan. Uh, last thing I wanted to talk about. Uh, he ended up going out and shooting 63, I believe, in that second round and rode that to his first victory in a little while at the English Championship. A guy that not too long ago was in the millionaire-making winning contest for the Open Championship a couple of years ago. I believe the year that Spieth won, he was in that lineup. So Andy Sullivan, maybe a player to watch as we move forward here. I don't know if he'll get invited to the U.S. Open. I'm going to guess not, but still a guy that is certainly in form. Okay, now before we move on to our Not Your Average Cut Sweat segment, and for me, Max Homa on my Super Draft team was the only thing that prevented me from having a great lineup as I had Morikawa and Kepka and Shawflay. All on the same team, which with their multiplier should have gotten me a good cash. But sadly, Max Homa at 1.35x, I chased the multiplier and I failed. However, if you don't know what I'm talking about with the multiplier, great time for me to bring up Superdraft. The future of daily fantasy sports has arrived. Experience Superdraft's exclusive game mode multiplier. Say goodbye to salary restrictions and hello to lineup freedom. Use your fantasy sports knowledge to draft any player you want and build your very own dream team. They've got daily contests going on right now covering MLB, NBA, PGA, NASCAR, MMA, and so much more. You can build countless lineup possibilities that let you experience daily fantasy sports the way you want and play it all year round. So for Superdraft, today using promo code AWESOME10 and you get $10 free on the first deposit of 10 or more and 20 total free on your first deposit of 100 or more. Download in the App Store or play at Superdraft.io. Superdraft, no limits and more winning. Okay, now we'll start off with some of the positives on the Not Your Average 
cut, sweat segment. Spieth and Cantlay, they needed 68 or better. I'm sure if you followed my Twitter at all over on Friday, I chronicled their rounds. Cantlay was great, though. He needed to bury a 20-footer on 17 just to get to 200 for the day. After making one birdie and 15 pars, he was able to get up and down from the greenside bunker on 18 to make the cut. He then proceeded to play his next 18 holes bogey-free, but it would not go to 37 holes as he bogeyed bogeyed the first hole here on Sunday after driving at 325 yards down the middle of the fairway. Sadly, that set the tone for his day. Charles Schwartzel also, I, I loved ESPN's coverage coming down the stretch. They showed every guy that had a chance to make or miss the cut. Charles Schwartzel was one of those. He nailed a 15-footer to make the cut and had a decent weekend and earned some, himself some good money. Chez Reeve also had about a 7-footer to make that ESPN showed us. Appreciate that. And he made it to make the cut. However, on the other side, there were way more people on the other side making or missing putts, I should say. First, we'll start with Christian Bezidenhu. He needed a 4 on 9 and couldn't. He missed a 20-footer for par. Gooch had a 15-footer for birdie. Missed. Sean Norris had a 15-footer for par. He missed. Jim Furyk needed 4 on 18. He missed a 7-footer for par. Ricky Fowler. We're going to transition into Ricky Fowler now. Possibly the worst missed cut in the history of missed cuts at majors. I'll just say at majors because I think it definitely will qualify. He gets to minus one. He's in the golf tournament. He's four under for the day. Coming to the last couple of holes on the back nine. He had just come off a really bad hole on 16. He made bogey, so he's back to even par, right? And he comes to 17. It was not a great shot. Chipped up to nine feet, missed the nine-footer, and had six inches left. I kid you not, six inches left, and he whiffed it. It's almost very reminiscent of the Hale Irwin from so long ago. Ricky Fowler whiffed it, made five, and could not birdie the 18th hole. He missed the cut. Unbelievable. I don't think we'll ever see anything like it again. If you haven't seen the video... Take a look for it. Find it on your easiest social media or internet platform. You probably can just go into Google and type in Ricky Fowler whiffed at the PGA Championship. And it'll probably come right up. A um, couple more. Chan Kim. He did all the hard work. He birdied 16 to get to 200 for the day. Then played the last two holes at 2 over. Needing to play them at 1 over or better. Mark Leishman also needed to play the last two holes at 1 over or better after birdying the 7th. But bogeyed both 8 and 9. Carlos Ortiz needed birdie on nine. Couldn't do it. Jason Duffner, after eagling 16, he needed to make a 17-footer footer on 18 to make the cut. Couldn't do it. Stenson needed a par on 18. He couldn't do it. Zach Johnson pulled a full-out Keegan Bradley as he had the first-round lead that missed cut. All he needed to do was shoot something better than a 75. He didn't. Shot 76, including a 34-footer on 18. That came so very close, as ESPN showed it to us again. Came so very, very close to making it. Just a really, really good putt that didn't go down for him, and too bad. Roy Ishikawa, he needed to play 6 through 9 at 1 over or better. He couldn't do it and missed a 23-footer on 9. Kevin Na, another terrible missed cut here. He doubled 9 from the middle of the fairway. Put it to, in, put it to the bunker. Put it from the bunker to 12 feet, so all he had to do was two-putt from 12 feet, and he put it, somehow blew his 12-footer seven feet by, and then missed the one coming back to miss the cut. 
Matt Kuchar played the last four holes at three over to miss the cut by two. Funny enough, Lucas Glover did that exact same thing as Matt Kuchar did. Jason Kokrak shot 40 on the uh, back nine, or his, I should say the front nine, his final nine holes. And Tom Lewis, the last one I'll mention, went 67-76 after his second place finish at the WGC. Okay, now we're going to go into our statistical review. First, we're going to start off with uh, the new age. Well, I'll actually go new age to old age. First, we're going to start off with off the tee. Bryson DeChambeau led the field again this week. No surprise. Matthew Wolf, number two. Camp Champ, three. Daniel Berger, four. Xander Schauffele, five. John Rahm, six. Scotty Scheffler, seven. Louis Oosthuizen, eight. Tommy Fleetwood, nine. Rory McIlroy, ten. Keith Mitchell, 11. Sepp Straka, 12. And Bubba Watson, 13. So... I gave the top 13. My worst favorite number is 13, so I guess I picked that one this time. When we match it up with driving accuracy, Colin Morikawa led the field in that category. Did not show up in the top 10. Neither did Luton, Damon, Todd, but Berger and Oosthuizen did. Billy Horschel didn't. Snedeker didn't. Scheffler did. John Rahm did. Jim Herman didn't. Casey, Paul Casey didn't. Matt Wolf did, Doc Redman didn't, Tommy Fleetwood did. So maybe about, I would say, half of the top 13 on each side ended up making it on the off the tee. Now when we look at driving distance, I bet we're going to find those other seven, like Cam Champ, Bryson DeChambeau, Roy McIlroy, Sepp Straka. So there's three of them right there in the top four. Tommy Fleetwood uh, was number five in driving distance for the week. He showed up there. Tony Finau was six. He didn't show up. Dustin Johnson was 7. He also didn't. Victor Perez, 8. Tiger Woods, 9. Houtong Lee, 10. Matt Wolf did show up. Kurt Kitayama, Zander Shuffle, John Rahm, Justin Thomas, and Luke Bliss. Okay, a decent amount of crossover there. Um, obviously, no surprise. Strokes in off the tee. You have to get it done one way or the other, whether it's through distance or accuracy or a combo of both. So it's likely if you're in strokes in off the tee, you're going to find yourself in the top 10 in one of those two categories. And I believe... Everybody that we mentioned uh, found themselves in one of those two. Okay, now let's go on to strokes gained on the approach, which certainly this week will be a high focus. Although I don't think a lot of these guys are playing, but uh, some of them certainly are. Jason Day, Tony Finau, Matthew Wolf, Paul Casey, who is playing, Russell Henley, Justin Thomas, Brooks Kepka, Lanto Griffin, Luke List, Kevin Kisner, Houtong Lee, and Ryan Palmer. We look at greens and regulation. Should see a decent crossover here. Matthew Wolf, Paul Casey, Jason Day, Cameron Champ. So the first three do show up. Then Cameron Champ doesn't. Ustazen doesn't. Finau doesn't either. Morikawa then. Scheffler, Kim, Houtong Lee. So he shows up. Luke List shows up. Bubba Watson, Xander Shoffley, Patrick Reed, John Rahm, and Lanto Griffin. So I would say maybe a 60 or 70% crossover there. Interesting to see Colin Morikawa again not in the top 10 in either of those two stats. But he was number one in strokes gained putting as Victor Perez, also a good week. Number two, Justin Rose, three, Brendan Todd. Number four, Dustin Johnson, number five, Joel Damon, number six, Kevin Kisner, number seven. Harris English, again, top ten in strokes gained putting. He was eight, Doc Redman, nine, Danny Lee, ten. Victor Hovland, Scotty Scheffler, and Bryson DeChambeau round out the guys near the top ten. So very interesting to see Victor Hovland getting hot with his putter. Might be a good sign for him moving into the playoffs. Okay, the last one we're going to measure, too, is putts per GIR. So Bryson DeChambeau, Kevin Kisner, Dustin Johnson, Joel Damon, Ian Poulter, Helen Morikawa, Scotty Scheffler, Doc Redman, Kurt Kitayama, Danny McCarthy, Xander Schauffele, Danny Lee, and Justin Rose. 
So we had a tremendous amount of crossover on almost every single one, which typically happens for putts for GIR to stroke scan putting. Okay, now top birdie review. Going to be a lot of birdies this week coming up at Sedgefield Country Club, which we'll learn about in just a couple of minutes here. A top birdie review, Bryson DeChambeau had 23, Dustin Johnson and Scotty Scheffler 21, Justin Rose had 20, Cam Champ, Kevin Kisner, Ian Polder, Charles Schwartzel, Colin Morikawa all in with 19, Tony Finau, Daniel Berger, Justin Thomas, Bern Wiesberger, we got two burgers in there, and Kurt Kitayama all had 18. All right, so as I mentioned at the top of this, we've got the Wyndham Championship coming up this week. Then we've got three weeks of FedEx Cup playoffs. Then only one week in between that where they head out to the Safeway Open, which just about an hour and a half from where we were this week in San Fran. Then we get another major, the United States Open. And maybe a couple of weeks where the tour is going to be playing in their fall circuit, where maybe the fields go down a little bit, or maybe the field strengths go down. But as the tour comes back and the Masters lurks in November, I'm sure we'll see some stronger fields come in the back half of October as the PGA Tour players get ready for the third major in four months, in a four-month span, ending with the Masters. So we've got a ton of golf, great golf, important golf coming up. A great time if you're not already an Awesome Plus member to become one. You get, with that, his top golfer's tool, his ownership projections, player projections, my player pool, my PGA DFS model, Slack chat, internal messaging with all of the personalities from Osmo.com that you can imagine. Get it all for $8.95 a week or $29.99 for the month. Join the Osmo Plus side and step on the DFS golf course today. All right, so let's go on. This week, the Wyndham Championship. It is the first, uh, it'll be the last event before the FedEx Cup playoffs. So there'll be a top 125 in the FedEx Cup narrative going on all week. All those guys that are ranked from 125 to 150, even to 175 that'll get in this field this week, could have a chance to move into the playoffs, which would get them into next week's Northern Trust held at TBC Boston. That'll, uh, Like I said, that'll get them into the field next week. Which, of course, you always want to continue playing because if you're not playing, you're not probably making money if you're a professional golfer. This week, DraftKings has already given us a half a million, half a million dollars to first place uh, with 1.75 guaranteed, 100k for the $200, and 150k for the $500. So a nice slate of offerings for a maybe less than stellar field. The course here, which we'll learn about in a minute, the course here is Sedgefield Country Club. As I mentioned, it is, again, a par 70, so golfers that are just coming off of DPC Harding Park will be used to the par 70 layout. Similar yardage as well at 7,100 yards. The difference is the fairways are much easier to hit coming in at close to 74. I'm sorry, the greens in regulation are 74%. The fairways hit are 64%. Scrambling is also right around in that mid-60s all on the much easier side. Once you're on the green, though, certain spots can be very hard. Did rank in the top 10 in certain putting statistics from the tour last year. But still, with 65% fairways and 74% greens in regulation, you're in only two-inch rough, you're going to get low scores. Let's see why you get those low scores in some of the course breakdowns or course yardages. Four par threes, 174, 223, 235, 175. 11 par 4s, 442, 428, 423, 374, 416, 440, 486, 403, 406, ending with a 507. So tremendous amount in that 400 to 450 range. Almost every single one of them. Uh, maybe that, you know, there's a couple 
one below it, but a lot in that range of four to four fifty. The two par fives are both very short, twenty six and eighteen eagles on them last year, so over forty eagles made on just these two holes. 529 and 545. They equate for about 30% of the raw DraftKings scoring for the week. Coming in in just two. It's a Bermuda grass golf course for all those course or uh, green fanatics. Uh, 6,500 square feet, so just a bit smaller than last week's average of 7,000. So it really will set up certain very similar 48 bunkers uh, versus the 47 of last week. So again, pretty equal. A little more hazards, water hazards in play with 13. All right, let's talk about the field now. The field, of course, as it normally is for a normal PGA Tour event. Winner of the majors, winner of the players, winner of WGC events, winner of invitationals, then tourney winners for the last two years, then career money exemptions being used by Luke Donald and Bo Van Pelt. Then we get sponsors exemption this week, Arjan Atwal, Carl Peterson, Akshay Batia, the 18-year-old professional golfer, Harris English, who still needs him, I guess, at this point. Probably won't coming up next year. William Gordon, one of my favorite new toys to play. He is in the field this week. And Bill Haas, also getting a sponsor exemption. Next category would be the past champions, where Davis Love III, who has ended his role with CBS. Thankfully, he was not very good at it. He'll be playing this week, as will... Top 125 non-members from last year, including Doc Redman and Matt Wallace. Two good players there. Major medicals. We've got a bunch of them playing on this week. Brunson Burgoon, Chris Kirk, Charles Schwartzel, who's been playing real well lately. Grayson Murray, Hudson Swafford, Wesley Bryan, and Greg Chalmers. Also, a bunch of guys from the top 10 from the previous event that they played in, held by the PGA Tour. Fabio Gomez, Matthias Schwab. Robert Shreb, Maverick McNeely, Alex Norin, and Seamus Powers. The last golfers that make up this field is the Corn Ferry Tour Reordered, which I believe I saw every single person from that Corn Ferry Tour from 21, uh, from 1 all the way to 50 getting in on the field. So uh, interesting there that it's one of those events where you got to dig deep down and look at some stats and look at some good course fits to try and build out a good lineup with it being a little thin once you get by the top 20 or so ranked golfers excuse me in the field all right what are the important statistics from this week well if you go look at the previous winners especially the last two we've got jt poston and brant snedeker two of the best putters on the pga tour ranked inside the top 10 but what i found interesting about the last four winners here is that they all came inside the top three on strokes gained on the approach None of them gave over, gained over a stroke on average off the tee. So really, off the tee is not a huge help here. First off, there's not a significant distance advantage because the rough, first of all, isn't that long. And second of all, the par fours aren't long to begin with. At a par 70, only 7,100 yards, there's only so many times that a driver can really benefit you. So that's why we see probably off the tee not really that important this week. And with around the green game and scrambling being pretty easy already, it's hard to gain strokes on the field around the green, unless, of course, you're holding it out or shipping in, something like that. So, really, we want to focus on strokes gain on the approach and have the emphasis on good putters, too, or putters that can get hot. Match those two things up, and you got certainly a winning combination for Sedgefield Country Club. Speaking of a winning combination for Sedgefield Country Club, let's talk, lastly, what I do every time on the First Cut podcast, uh, uh, I'm sorry, the Opening Tee podcast, I apologize, um, 
my first cut article, the one that I write is what I meant to say, uh, is goes into a little bit more detail about what we're talking about here, especially the statistics, how hard the course is, where players are gaining their strokes, and of course some previous champions and the current or expected cut line. So uh, go out and check that out. It is live now. If you're listening to this, I'm sure you are. I submitted it about 45 minutes ago, so of course you should see it live on the site uh, in to read at your leisure. Okay, so the last thing I do, like I said, is I give salary guesses, my top six of the week from DraftKings for uh, their contest. So this week, I think Webb Simpson, he lives on the course. Guess what? It's not going to be the only time you hear that this week. Probably a million times you're going to hear it. We hear it every single time. Uh, Webb Simpson, 11.6K. He's never won this tournament. He's done everything else in it. Uh, Tommy Fleetwood playing this week, 11K. Brooks Kepka, 10.7. Justin Rose after a good finish, 10.2. Patrick Reed, a decent Sunday, gets him in. He's above 10K as well. With Abraham Answer, who was pretty chalky at 7.7K last week. Expect them to bump that, him up into the high nines at 9.8K. So I know that it may feel a little bit of a different week after a major, but plenty of money still to be made and a lot of good golfers there out there. So maybe a similar tournament like we've had at the Rocket Mortgage and the 3M. So we've got a good breadth of recent golf tournaments that we can try and emulate uh, the finishes for this week. So until next time, everybody, of course, if you're listening to this before Monday at 2 o'clock, and you want to learn some more about the how the best players fared this week in the DFS golf world, come join myself, Sal Vitri, and Jeff Ulrich at 2 o'clock where we give our opening bets and uh, thoughts about the salaries that are likely just released. And then, of course, if this is after Monday and you want to check it, it should be up on YouTube for playback. Of course, my Fit in the Form podcast tomorrow night and the Against the Grain, Reading the Grain podcast on Wednesday going over ownership for the expected slate course so much more including the live before lock show with ben raz and i at 8 30 eastern center time on wednesday night where we break everything down for you so till next time everybody thank you so much for coming by the opening tea podcast and we will see you on the other side cheers